Good morning. We are thankful that you have come our way this morning, even to our members, regular members who are here. We're thankful for your attendance this morning, but especially as well for our visitors. We are so glad that you have chosen to be with us. The rain makes it a little bit of a dreary day on the outside, but we're thankful to be together, to have this place to meet, and for this good congregation that assembles here. Uh, Even our children, uh, at least one of our children, has been confused on what homecoming actually is. Uh, But of course, with Hannah here today, we have a member of the homecoming court uh, in our presence. It's not the same thing, but that's all right. We're glad to recognize her achievements, as Brian said, and the things that that many of our young people do in their school and in the place uh, that they go to school and their friends, and we're thankful for that. But we are thankful that you are here. The main thing that homecoming may mean is that we all get to eat in a few minutes, and I recognize that, all right? Uh, I think the food smells a little stronger than the first Sunday that I preached, so as I walk down this side... Uh, It was a little stronger, so I may see the room kind of go as the sermon goes on. Uh, Venture away as mine start going next door, but that's all right. We will do our best to to study God's Word together for a few moments and then go from there. And we hope that you will stay with us, not only for our lunch here in just a few moments, but certainly even this afternoon as we'll have a period of singing together and continue our worship. Uh, And we hope that you'll be able to stay for both of those events if you can. As we think this morning for a few moments about strangers... Have you ever been a stranger in a strange land? Have you ever felt like a a stranger before? I can think of a few instances from my life. When I was uh, younger, thankful that my mom is able to be here today and my stepdad, but but I remember when I was younger, uh, my mom was from the strange, faraway land of Ohio. (laughs) I know. Uh, Some of you may be from Ohio, and uh, that's okay. Uh, But I recall as a young person that uh, my grandfather was sick and my mom was going to be going to Ohio. And my mom, like some of us in our life, uh, had a a problem at her age with Dr. Pepper. All right, And she told us she was going to Ohio and there was no Dr. Pepper in Ohio. She would have to have Mr. Pibb. We were like, that's a strange place. Then my grandfather passed away a a little little while later and and so we had to go. We found out their tea is not sweet in Ohio. And it seems like a strange, faraway place. I remember when Hannah and I were dating right before we got married, we had an opportunity to go to Romania on a mission trip, a short-term mission trip. And we went with several ladies from the Savannah, Tennessee congregation. And they talked to us about being, you know, a foreigner, a stranger in a strange land. Talked about traveling around, you know, and, and traveling on the subway and things to mass transit to go places. And they talked about, you know, trying your best to fit in as best you could, not to to stand out as a sore thumb American, if you will, that that people would see and maybe even try to take advantage of. And, and of course, being on the trip with some ladies from Savannah, Tennessee, some of them talked a little bit like this. And if you talk a little bit like that in this congregation, that's okay, too. But you stand out like a stranger in a strange land. And, And there was one particular lady who was very loud and talked like that. And we would be trying to keep quiet on the subway, you know, and kind of blend in. And it's always a little nerve wracking, you know, as she began to to talk. And as I was thinking about strangers, uh, of course, I thought about today because a lot of you are strangers to me. And you look up here and you see a stranger in the pulpit this morning. I'm thankful for the opportunity that we've had to get to know many people in this congregation already to go past the idea of of foreign or strangers. And we're thankful that you're here, and I look forward to trying to get to meet some of you. I will already tell you that Miss Sylvia has warned me that a lot of times her and Bill would stand up here and catch everybody at the front of the food line, so don't go out the back door. you got to come out the front door, because I don't want to be a stranger anymore in this congregation. I want to get to know as many of you as possible, not only if you're a member here as we are not really strangers to you anymore, 
but certainly to those of you who are visiting this morning. We think about strangers in the terms of the Bible. The Bible speaks about it in different places. I think about the 119th Psalm. Psalm 119 and verse 9, the Bible says, excuse me, 119 and verse 19, the psalmist says, I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. When we think of strangers in the context of the Bible, we want to look at a few examples this morning. But every time that we think about an example, I'd like for you to consider the theme of people who are strangers to the world, but no stranger to God. And of course, by the time we finish our lesson and, and come back around, we'll make application to ourselves in our own life. But, but a lot of times when we think about people in the Bible who are strangers, they were strangers to the world, but no stranger to God. That sounds like the type of, of stranger that I would like to be. There may be some things in the world that I don't understand. Maybe some things in the world that I don't agree with. I, I'm a stranger here in this world, but I don't want to be a stranger to God. This morning, let's think first of all about the Israelites in Egypt. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 17, as we come to Acts chapter 13, the Apostle Paul is traveling around, of course, with many others who are traveling with him. And he begins in verse 16 to stand up and give one of these, these sermons, if you will, or one of these lessons, talking to the people about things of God and Jesus Christ. And beginning in verse 16, Paul stands up and he says, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. There are four other passages in the Old Testament from Exodus chapter 20 and 23, Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 10, where the Bible by inspiration says that the, the Israelites were strangers in the land of Egypt. You see, we live under the New Testament. We live under New Testament law and the things that Jesus has told us to do. But we look back at the Old Testament as things that were written for our learning, the things that we can learn by. And even from the very beginning, we see some biblical principles that we can learn from. We think about Adam and Eve in the garden. We think about Noah and all of those things that we can learn from because God is not changing. He has, uh, while he may have made a different way of salvation, uh, he still has had laws to live by. And even here in Acts chapter 13 and verse 17, as Paul points back to the beginning of the Bible as we read it, and we think about the children of Israel, we begin to see God's people. This idea of God having special people. If you've got your Bible, you might look over at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. We know Hebrews chapter 11 is such an encouraging passage altogether. And as we talk about all of those people who are listed there and the things that they did, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, the Hebrew writer says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them. And confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You see, the, the, the children of Israel understood, even then, that they were strangers. They were strangers on the earth, or strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So when we think about the Israelites in Egypt, they understand they are God's people. They understand the laws that He has given them. They understand the things that they should do to be obedient to Him. And yet they're strangers in this land of Egypt. 
As we think about this lesson this morning, we're going to draw a, a direct application to ourselves in just a moment, but you begin to see the pattern here, if you will. Uh, the idea that God has a people, those people have rules and laws to live by, ways of being obedient, if you will, and then they are to do those things, but yet through all that, they sometimes feel like strangers in a strange land. And yes, the children of Israel, the Israelites in Egypt, went through a very difficult time. We can go back and read and think about all that, that, that they were put under, the stress and the strain, the work that they had to do. We can, we can, we can connect with that, if you will, on, on a certain level. We may not be in bondage in the same way, but we understand the idea of being a stranger. The Israelites in Egypt were that. Sometimes we feel like that as well. If you've got your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2 for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 2 for just a moment because we'll come back here again a little bit later. But Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 13. When I thought about strangers in the Bible and you began to look at different places that the Bible would use the word strangers, look in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 13. Paul writes and says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you are without Christ. And keep that in your mind. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But, such an important word in the Bible, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. When I think about the Bible using the idea of strangers, it uses it here as well with the idea of the Gentiles in the flesh. The Gentiles in the flesh. When Paul is writing here, the Gentile Christian is called upon to remember his past status or his past. The idea that the status of the nations at large changed. The, they were a people, the Gentiles were a people who were apart from the Jewish nation. They had no formal recognition, if you will, from God. As we think about the Israelites having the circumcision, they were strangers. Paul says here, strangers to the covenant of covenants of promise, and they had no relationship with the true God. But that changed. That changed when the gospel was offered to them. Though they had once stood afar off, and we see that idea, we read it just a moment ago with Hebrews, but afar off, though they weren't, once were afar off, through the cleansing of Christ's blood, they had been brought near as the result of the in Christ relationship that they were able to partake in now. They were able to be in Christ. If you've got your Bible, look in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. When we think about the Gentiles in the flesh, we know and understand, if you've studied the Bible really at all or been in any of our Bible classes, you know that the Jews and the Gentiles had some, some issues. There were some problems there. And part of the New Testament, part of the idea, part of what Jesus was teaching is trying to break down this barrier, if you will. Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, Paul says, Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first, and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now, depending on the version that you're looking at there, it may use the word Gentile. 
But when we look at, at the writings of Paul, we see that he says multiple times to the Jew and to the Greek, to the Jew and to the Gentile. Because the problem that many of the Jews dealt with was they didn't want to accept others sometimes. Do you remember when you were younger possibly, or even older, maybe moving, maybe being a stranger in a strange land? Do you remember maybe having to move and change schools? Maybe you were new in a particular school system, or maybe you were new in a new congregation of people, and you feel like a stranger in a strange land, and you feel like you're different from everybody else. And sometimes when that happens, maybe you recall being on the other side of that. Sometimes it's difficult to welcome someone in. If you're in a special status, sometimes you say, well, I don't want to include them. I don't want to include other people. I like being different. I like being set apart. I like being called special. And we say, I don't think I want to include other people, especially if we call those other people or think about them in a negative, dirty light or sense. You say, I don't think I want to include those people in this special group or party that I'm a part of. But God has made the point. Jesus has said it. Paul continues to say it. It's to the Jew first and also to the Gentile or to the Greek. It's for everyone. The gospel is for all as we sometimes sing. Sometimes we sit in what we might call our, our ivory castle or high up in our own world and we say, I don't think I want to include other people in this. They're not deserving of, of, of being included in this. And we find ourselves in the same position as the Jews were trying to set apart others and, and, and separate ourselves. And, and Paul, here in writing to those in Ephesus and to the Ephesians, is trying to remind them of this idea that the Gentiles were once in the flesh. They were strangers in that way. And he even goes so far to say that they were without hope. But, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, the Gentiles in the flesh were strangers to the world, but they didn't have to be a stranger to God because now the in Christ relationship gave them an opportunity, just as anyone else could, to not be a stranger to God. Thirdly, this morning, we want to think for a few moments about Christians in the world. If you've got your Bible, you might look over in 1 Peter chapter 2. And again, we're going to leave here, but we'll come back. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 11 and 12. Peter writing says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, strangers if you will, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, as strangers. Christians in the world are strangers. You see, I, I'm, I'm thankful for heaven. I, I'll be thankful to get to heaven one day if I can be found faithful. Because of what Peter goes on to say there, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Because in heaven, we won't have to worry about that anymore. We won't be fighting that battle against the flesh anymore. But because we are not there yet, we're still fighting that. Because we are not there yet, we are still sojourners, we're pilgrims, we're strangers in a strange land. Strangers to the world. And we must consider that. We need to be reminded of that 
And an occasion such as today gives us a good example to think about being strangers to one another sometimes. We use that word, don't be a stranger. Well, we are strangers as Christians in the world. You're familiar with Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 that we usually quote together. But the idea of being not conformed to this world. Not conformed to this world. Why, Paul, would we not be conformed to this world? Because it's not our home. Because we are strangers here in this land. We are strangers to the world. But we don't have to be a stranger to God. But yet Christians in the world have to fight fight against the flesh. Have to struggle with the things here. Have to try every single day going to school, going to our jobs, watching television, interacting with others in the community to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, as Paul says there. The encouragement that as we go through, we remember that we are strangers here. But we don't have to be strangers to God. And as we assemble together this morning, as we think about uh, these examples from the Bible, as as we think about homecoming, you know, I thought about the great homecoming, the idea, idea that there would be no more strangers. No more strangers. I'm not even just talking about the fact that we would think about the day of judgment, that we would think about being together in heaven one day. That's the idea that comes forth come forth with the idea of the great homecoming, if you will. But this morning, as some of us are strangers to each other, as I meet some of you for the first time, and we, we try to connect, and we think about moving past that, when we think about the idea of the great homecoming, and not being strangers anymore, I would submit to you that as we think about the Israelites in Egypt, the Gentiles in the flesh, and even the Christians in the world, the great homecoming has to do with Christians who are in Christ, And if you've got your Bible, go back to Ephesians chapter 2. We skipped over a few passages there in the middle. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 19 through 22, Paul begins by saying here, just a few verses later, after talking about the Gentiles, he says, Now, now therefore, you who are no longer strangers, you who are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation, pay attention here, we're going to look at another passage, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Paul says... We're no longer strangers and foreigners. So what is it? Which side of the coin is it? How can we be strangers and pilgrims and yet no longer strangers or foreigners? The idea is that Christians who are in Christ and in that relationship with Christ, we don't have to be strangers. Number one, we don't have to be strangers from God. But number two, we don't have to be strangers from each other. You see, I look across the audience this morning and I see a lot of people that I've never met before, that I don't know. But if you are here this morning and you are in Christ, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I've met you a hundred times or once. We have a connection. We have a building, as Paul says here, whole building, fitted together, grown into the holy temple of the Lord in Christ. Look again at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 4 through 10. Paul says it there in the letter to the Ephesians, but what does Peter say here again in chapter 2? 
Go all the way back up into verse 4, and he talks about living stones, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, and in verse 6, a chief cornerstone. I may see faces this morning that I don't recognize, but together upon the foundation, the chief cornerstone of Christ, we are a chosen generation. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 is one of my favorite passages among many. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are now people. We're God's people. And if I've never met you before, it doesn't matter because we have a connection in Christ that we have that relationship. And I could go along a bunch of other examples of being strangers in Romania, but I could tell you about being a Christian in the London area of the world, going on a school trip with Free Hardeman, and running into other people who were Christians that we knew. And the connection we made because we recognized someone that we knew, we knew already, but yet here we are with Christians halfway around the world, so to speak, meeting them. We had a sister from Dunlap just recently that traveled overseas with a school group, was wearing a shirt, and I can't remember which one it was now, may have had a Bible verse on it, had some connection to the South or Southern things, and somebody stopped and said, do I know you? I think I might know you. They made the connection. It was another Christian who was traveling abroad. There's a connection in Christ. Christians who are in Christ don't have to be strangers anymore. I think about Peter saying that there, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We think about Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10. We looked there just a moment ago at verse 13. We're connected because as the Hebrew writer says there, when Abraham's dwelling by faith in the land of promise is in a foreign country, he's waiting for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. You see, we are strangers to the world, but we are no stranger to God. Christians who are in Christ don't have to worry about that. And while we may have unfamiliar faces from time to time, there is a relationship amongst each other when we have that same foundation, that chief cornerstone, the foundation built upon the apostles and the prophets, the foundation that goes past any Jew or Greek or Gentile or any nation or even any blood type as we think about our physical bodies. When we're connected in Christ, we are strangers to the world, yes. But we are no stranger to God. And I'm thankful for that this morning. Thankful for the opportunity to be here with you, for us to study together, for us to get to know each other and move past that relationship of being strangers in the physical sense. But this morning, I want you to consider as we begin to conclude our thoughts about the idea of not being a stranger to God. If you've got your Bibles, one more passage, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. You see, we just made the point a moment ago we're no longer strangers when we're in Christ. Which begs the question, maybe there's somebody in the audience even right now this morning. How do we get in Christ? How, do, how did the Christians who are in Christ get there? How can we move past this foreigner idea, this stranger idea? When Paul writes to those in Rome, he says, Or do you not know that as many of us, as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him 
through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. I'm thankful to God for many things, even this morning. I'm thankful to God for His Word, for His way of salvation. I'm thankful to God that when He laid it out for us, when He gave us His Word, He didn't make it difficult. He didn't make it that, that, that I had to go to school for, for 20 years to figure it all out and I had to share it with you because you couldn't figure it all out on your own. I'm thankful that the Word of God gives us all that pertains to life and godliness and all that we need to be saved. I'm thankful that God made it pretty simple sometimes for us when Paul writes here and says that if we want to be in Christ, we need to be baptized into Christ Jesus. Just as we're baptized into His death. The idea that the immersion into water is not to wash the dirt or the filth off of our skin. It's not something that has to happen just because I say it or the elders say it or, or some person long ago said it. It's because it symbolizes something. Yes, that's exactly what the Bible says, but it also shows us in symbol, in symbolism, exactly what Jesus did going to the cross for us, shedding his blood, being buried in the tomb, but rising again. Thanks be to God that happened. Thanks be to God that even though just as Jesus was hung on that cross and died, He didn't stay in that tomb. He rose again and we can rise again. And we don't have to worry about being strangers anymore. We're strangers in this world. You don't have to go very far down the road to the grocery store. You don't have to go very far, go to your home and turn on the news. And you feel like you may be in a foreign land with a bunch of strange people doing a lot of crazy things. Yeah, we're strangers in this world sometimes. We don't have to be strangers to God. And as we conclude our lesson this morning, we extend the Lord's invitation. Again, it's not, not my decision, it's nothing I can do, but what Jesus has already done. That if you are here this morning and you are a stranger to God, you have never become a Christian. You have never been baptized for the remission of your sins so that the Lord could add you to His church. We would beg you, just even as was read from Peter's word just a few moments ago, beg you, beg you to make that great decision, to make that great commitment. We can't force you to, but we can encourage you to think about what it means to be in Christ. If you're here this morning and you would like to know more about that, we would study with you even this day. You know, we're about to eat, we're about to have a singing service, but a lot of us, our afternoon is free. You want to sit here in the building and talk all day? We'll talk all day long until you can understand and hopefully make that great commitment. Understanding what God has to say about a way of salvation. Maybe you're here this morning and you've done that, but you've wandered away. You are a stranger in this world sometimes, but you're a stranger to God. You see, as we say sometimes, the point is God doesn't really move when we think about it in that context. We move. We allow sin to separate us from God, but we're thankful for his second law of pardon. We don't have to be immersed into water time and time again. We're also not struck dead the first time we mess up. We're thankful that God gives us the opportunity to walk in the light as he is in the light, and the blood of Jesus will continue, continually cleanse us. But that is, of course, dependent upon the fact that we would confess our sin, repent of our sin, and pray to God for forgiveness. And his second law of pardon that shows that he is willing to do just that. He will forgive us. The point is, is whether you leave here in just a moment, or after lunch, or after our singing service, or, or you go throughout your day, you don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to think about what your eternal place might be. You can have confidence. Confidence knowing that you are in Christ, and you are not a stranger to God. But that decision is based upon what you would make and I would make this morning. Are you right with God? Have you become a Christian? Do you need to become a Christian? 
Do you need to come back to him? So good to see so many faces here this morning. And the beautiful part is that we can encourage each other. Maybe you're here this morning and you need the prayers of this congregation to encourage you in some way. It's for all those reasons that we'll be standing and singing on your behalf. Would you stand?